0: The Be Here Now Network invites you to join Jack Kornfield, Tara Brock, and some of today's leading mindfulness meditation instructors for a two-year mindfulness meditation teacher certification program. Get the training you need to guide others in their journey with a powerful online training course and in-person teaching events. To learn more, visit
1: BeHereNowNetwork.com GetCertified. Welcome to Ramdas here and now. I'm Raghu Marcus back for another episode. This one is uh, we've got a talk called Living and Dying in the Spirit. Um, and I think it could also be easily called Living and Dying in the Moment. Because uh, Ramdas talks a lot here about um, working with death and in a way that is, you know, acknowledges being present in every moment. It's, it's stuff I've been thinking about lately, actually. That's probably why I gravitated to this one. Um, just um, And it's an, a bit of an ongoing theme for me since my parents left about a year ago, just over a year ago, a year and a few months. And, um, boy, that just doesn't go away. Uh, many of you will uh, acknowledge that, uh, there is a constant uh, stream of uh, memories in so many different ways that trigger stuff. Um, and, uh, but the process of dying and being, you know, if you get fortunate, actually, to be able to be with your parents while they're passing, it's uh, an incredibly great uh, privilege uh, in one way and also a bit of a training. Actually, a training ground. I was with my father when he was starting to get, Weaker and um, but he was still getting around, so it was still probably a year and a half before he actually left, and I was helping him do some stuff, and you get him to the bathroom and all that kind of thing, and you know, and the struggle getting clothes off you know when you can't bend over he had in this case he had parkinson's, um but he just looked at me in one moment and he said, "Get ready, you're next." Get used to this. That's what he said. Get used to this. You're next. Which was scary in the moment. But there is a way in which uh, going through all of this makes that very present. So uh, back to Ramdas's talk here. Uh, Let's see. He starts talking about... I I love this little part. This is sort of him getting into this idea. Uh, But once you've read all of the different stories of the great... Uh, holy beings in the world's different religions, Jesus Christ, uh, Buddha, Ram, Krishna. So you get what he calls a vector view of your journey. I love that, vector view. Uh, and uh, basically these stories, you know, they give us clues, uh, you know, clues to the, to show the possibility of being able to transcend our uh, very... A uh, great attachment, our very great penchant for anger, lust, greed, whatever it is, self-interest in in a, in the big general way, so that there's a possibility. You can see that there's a possibility. And it also show they show you where you're not. And, you know, and sort of give you where all, it give you the aids and show you where the traps are going to be. So that vector view of your journey, that that's something that we all encountered at some point that gave us some kind of, structure and uh, a target to shoot at, whatever you want to call it. So love that. Um, And then he goes into in this uh, talk, talking about death and the bardos and the Tibetans. And, um, you know, all of that is uh, interesting. But I don't think I mentioned this because, see, this comes from, this is February 10th, 1970. And I know that because our wonderful team at Love, Serve, Remember Foundation has gotten us to a point where we actually have a master spreadsheet, and we know what we have, and we have a lot of this data, although we're still missing some and still trying to collect. Uh, but um, th- so we're able now to reference uh, w- what it is that we have, uh, and this was particular one was February tenth, nineteen seventy. Ramdas went back to India that year. In I believe September, uh, maybe August, uh, August September. So this is just before he went back, and um, it's, it's, so it's interesting when he when he's really expounding about stuff from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. He had been studying that, of course. That has to do with the psychedelics. You know, he and Leary wrote that that uh, the psychedelic book, which was based on that. Um, so I love one metaphor here, though I got it share this one uh because it it really uh, attends again to my own experience which is he talks about you know um you're you're opened up by these stories you're opened up by psychedelics you're you're opened up by who you you know pass uh people pass you by uh, I mean, for a moment, they, they're a teacher for you and they, they just, you know, they edge you into a direction which you follow. Um, so you're open to being able to surrender and really let go in situations. And one good example of this is, uh, of course, uh, he, t- he talks about g- taking your parents to the Fillmore the, the Fillmore Ballroom, you know, the great rock and roll hall from the old days. Uh, so it's an example. You know, you put them in there and they go out of their minds. They can't stand it. They have no concept of dying because they don't have that connection to the psychedelic experience that many of us had back then. They don't have that surrender into death, into ego death quality, which is highly, highly important. So they freak out. Uh this is kind of a funny analogy, but it, uh, in my own case, uh, both my parents, the opposite of that. I mean, not right away. And this was all after meeting Nimkaroli Baba Maharaji. Uh, we, I, you know, uh, we uh, when I came back from India, uh, my uh, uh, first wife, mother of my children, and I got married in a teepee. Okay, on this farm that my father owned, and to my best recollection, people were pretty out there on psychedelics, including my dad. So this wasn't true of him, and <laughs> for the most part, it probably is. Uh, and so this uh, talk, so then it goes into from that concept of, you know, being able to uh, be comfortable with with the with dying, is um, is he goes into the talking about. How that moment and that understanding precludes being able to be, just be here now and be in the present moment. That concept of, of surrender into its, you know, there has to be, there's a trust, there's a faith there, it's uh, it's okay. And you had that training and, and, you know, through psychedelics, of course, and then uh, through many other mediums, uh, including all the way, as I just discussed, being with your parents who are passing. So the, those are, are powerful transformers. And um, so he, um, he talks about uh, it's apparent that what is evolving along with our consciousness is an entirely different concept, entirely different understanding and, a, and approach to the reality of dying. So that starts to take the fear out of it, uh, and you, on a daily basis, are bringing this surrender, you know, and the analogy for many of us is, of course, a psychedelic trip where you let go at one point with trust that it's all okay, even if you don't have a body. So um, living and dying in the spirit is the topic here and uh thanks for the support everybody please continue to do so we have so many different initiatives going on with love serve remember and ramdas.org mm-hmm. um, we're, we're just about uh you know we've gotten so much of this media digitized cataloged described um, and keyworded so that you all can everybody all of us can find it Uh, fast and easy and we have to we had to change up the website to be able to accommodate that and you're going to see that in the near future here uh it's it's our uh, summer project it'll be done before the summer actually starts but keep supporting us we need it and we appreciate it and until next week and ramdas here and now
0: Now, every system that has been evolved by a being higher than the system, in other words, the words of the rishis, the rishis were the realized writers who were the vehicles through which the law was spread forth. And in fact, all of the holy writings are just those things. They are the manifestation into word of the living spirit. They're the statement of the laws within the spirit. And every one of these is there in order to help you finish with a place that you have to run through yet. In other words, Christ as a message represents, the Jesus story represents a certain story. And by your opening yourself sufficiently to take in that story, the Buddha story represents a certain storyline. And for you to open yourself enough to take in the Buddha story, the Moses story, the Mohammed story, the Ram story, the Krishna story, the Shiva story. All of these are manifestations in order to give you clues, to give you keys. Now, often the clues are messages that show you where you're not, which is the only clues you really need at the moment. So you can get done with where you're not. Cook cook the seeds that are uncooked. So you can use, for example, astrology to give yourself a new vector view, vector view, take one, new vector view of your own journey. And that vector view will help you finish another place. All of these forms, enneagrams, exercises are all aids and they're all traps. They are all aids and they're all traps. And the problem is that when you have lived most of your life on one level and suddenly are handed the keys to understand the next level, the amount of power that you're given through it is so awesome to little you that you tend to get hooked. I mean, astrology is power. Because you know more when you understand astrology than you do when you understand the MMPI. That's the Minnesota multiphasic personality inventory. or an electroencephalogram when you really have grokked astrology but the thing is you, if you're going to embrace it embrace it, use it, go on the I Ching, the Tarot all very high statements the Tao extraordinarily high devices for waking you up work with them grok them, become them and go on You just eat stuff and out comes light. Just be a stuff converter. Just pass it up your spine. Pass it up your spine. For those of you that might be confused about the relation of, say, the Tibetan Book of the Dead to the Kundalini Yoga, something like that, you can see the relationship that we are primarily working on moving energy from the gross planes up and up through all the centers, through, uh, from the lower three centers up through to the seventh center. And when you die, then the Tibetan Book of the Dead is a description of the 49 days after that. See, what happens is you're first handed the full trip. You get the clear white light, first bardo. And what the monk says to you, who's hanging out with your dead body, he says to your spirit, he says, hang on, this is it. You know, let yourself open. But usually what happens is when a person dies, the light's too blinding because they haven't been ready for it because they've got all these desires and attachments that keep them with finite vision. See, it's the same thing as there is an exercise in India for looking at the sun. You start at sunrise and you focus on the sun and you look directly into it without blinking until it sets. Okay. And the people that do it never damage their eyes, but a person in the United States who might turn on with acid and then look directly into the sun may burn out his retina. And the reason he might do that is because he's focusing, because he's attached, because he's trying to see. And it's only at a very high degree of complete giving up of ego that you wouldn't destroy your body that way, to be able to do it all day long, just sit in the desert. Very high meditation. See, but beings at that level are almost ones who can live on light. In other words, they can take energy in from the higher planes and transmute it and use it to maintain their lower planes as well as the higher planes. Those are very evolved beings. Very evolved beings. But some of you, I'm sure, have started to notice you eat less and less. You're less and less desirous of food all the time and don't seem to be falling apart as a result of it. You begin to understand that the whole model about food and oxygen and the whole thing was part of the physical plane package, the nature package. It's a model of who you are, and we all agree to it, most of us. But then somebody goes out of the cave and sees the sunlight and comes rushing back and says, it isn't like that at all. So when you die, you go into this first bardo and then the monk says, hold on to it, but you can't, see, and it's so bright, unless you're a realized being at that point. Like Mahatma Gandhi, when he's shot, he doesn't go, I've been shot or save the republic or, you know, like, ah, or, you know, get them or, you know, I love you or anything. He just says, Ram, boom. Now we've had enough run of assassinations in this country that we, it's very, we can, we've got a comparative thing. How likely is it for any of the beings that were assassinated in this country to be thinking about the spirit or be thinking in such a way as to free themselves at that point? Because as high and exquisite as the people were who were assassinated in many ways, high and low both together, they all had attachments. And that means they are right, ha, ha they're gonna come back. Because you only are finished with the round of births and deaths with the wheel, when at the moment of death, you are so free of attachment that when that all and everything is you, you can be it. And you don't pull back like too much, man. You can't ever be too much, but all the energy, it's like forcing huge amounts of energy through a system. Just burns out the system. The wires just get crisp, just like that. Many of you have that experience. You turn on, you get huge amounts of energy, and you can't use it. You don't know what to do with it. It just hangs around. Because you can't, you haven't given up certain models of who you are, and those models are what can only use little bits of energy. And you're overloading the circuits, and you say, man, it's too much. I lived with this fellow, Steve Durkee, a very high uh, being. And every time I would say, oh, wow, too much, he'd say, no, just enough. <laughs> so he got me, I'd get, oh, just enough. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's like when you take a parent who is not uh, has not been exposed to consciousness expanding experiences or stimuli, to the Fillmore, see? They often say, I'm getting a headache, (laughs) see? How can you stand all this? All the projectors and all the sound and black lights and costumes and, you know, the whole business. How can you stand it? Well, you can't stand it. That's the hope, see? That you can't stand it. That you say, ah, okay, again. You know, I die so hard, here we go again. Go ahead, take me. Do with me, not my, but thy will. Not my, but thy will, that's what it's about. It's not the will of the, of the cameraman up in the thing or the rock and roll band, because they're doing the will. And if they're not, it doesn't turn you on because you only get turned on by the real spirit. And when the real spirit's there, man, you just open yourself to it. You can't bomb out that way, really that spend so much time being frightened of demons it really isn't worth it because if you're pure in heart, it works. I mean, every fairy tale tells you it does. And they're all just as real as you are. I mean, Superman and Orphan Annie, they all exist on astral planes, see? Because man never creates anything. He just remembers. How do you like that? So then when the monk, it's apparent to the monk who is in charge of your death that you're not making it in the first bardo, he starts to tell you how to make it through the second bardo. He says, well, you've blown it on the seventh chakra, but now in the sixth chakra, you could come out on this one and you don't have to be born again on the physical plane. So when you see this and see this groovy, you know, but for most monks, they say, ah, you know, too much, too much, much, too much, still much, too much. And so what the book of the dead, the Tibetan book of the dead is, is a description of each succeeding lower layer. Finally, you get down to the third chakra and the monk says, well, you're gonna go back again. But when you go back, don't forget. When you get born again, do it quick this time by keeping in mind this. Then you forget that and then he gives you instructions for lower ones and finally, (laughs) you start the cycle again because you weren't ready to wake up that round. So that it's very apparent that what is going, what is evolving also for for along with consciousness is an entirely different concept and understanding and approach to the process of dying. I have been pushing for a few years the institution called a center for dying place where people come to die consciously. And I thought, you know, most people have to go to hospitals and everybody sits around saying, you're not going to die, you're looking better. <laughs> because everybody's freaked, see? Because a hospital is a temple dedicated to life. And death is its worst adversary. So it makes, you know, it's like sitting in church talking about the the, the devil. You talk about it in whispers. but some people are ready to die consciously. Mm. Ah, right. Yeah. I'm sure that child remembers. <laughs> and then the old days I thought, well, Obviously, the people that have taken lots of something or other who's known about this will be the perfect guides. So, all the unemployed, uh, what are they called? Hippies? High, you know, they can all become guides for people who want to die. But the institution is still too far out for the society. Although, in India, you can go to the burning ghat where people. It blew my mind in Benares because I came to Benares, the, the Kashi, the city where Indians go to die, because when they die in that city, they are totally liberated. You see, they've consciously chosen to come to that city to die, to be burned on the holy burning gods, because at that point they become one and they, they're done. And so I would walk down the street, sometimes high on something or other. This was before I met my guru. And I would look at these people, and they would be dragging themselves across the street, and they 'd be wearing a loincloth, and the only and neck attached to the loincloth would be a little pouch which would have in it the money necessary for the wood for the fire, which would be roughly about two dollars and eighty cents and they had made it; they were lame and sick and starving, and there was and they would drag themselves around, waiting for this moment, knowing it was about to come. And I walked through the streets, me, Western, with my American Express Travelers checks and my camera and my whole scene, feeling sorry for them. Look at these poor beings. Oh, this is what India is about. What a terrible economic. (laughs) We've got to do something for these people. Get them off the streets. And at the same time, they were looking at me with total pity because they knew I was a Westerner passing through and I wasn't going to make it like that. See, they had the easy way and I was screwed for many reasons culturally and they felt sorry for me. And we sat there stood there passed each there feeling sorry for one another. And it was only later I began to understand where their heads were at. But see, you don't know when that moment's gonna be. You don't know the moment you're gonna die unless you're already finished, then you know. Holy beings in India know the moment and they say next Tuesday at three and next Tuesday at three, they turn around three times, sit down and leave their body. They send a message, next Thursday, I'm leaving my body, come on by. Ramana Maharshi, when he was dying of cancer and all of his devotees were crying and saying his arm was all cancer, they said, said, Ramana Maharshi, you know, Bhagwan, God, you know, God incarnate, you, you are it all. Why don't you save your body? He says, no, no, it's finished its trip. It's time to go. And they said, don't leave us. And he said, don't be silly. Where can I go? So that every minute of your life, since you don't know which the moment is, every moment has got to be lived with your head in the place such that at that moment, that's the moment. It doesn't mean you sit around, is it going to be this moment, this moment? You just build your life so it is every moment. Every moment is the moment of death and rebirth. You get to live that way. Because life and death become so intimately involved with one another that finally they merge and you are you're both at the same moment you're both dying and you're being born always again and again, every moment look I am making all things new, says Jesus over and over again, it's all a fresh moment it's the eternal present it's happening for the first time your child walks down the steps and it's Buddha meeting Buddha for the first time in the morning over the moo tea and rice or orange juice and coffee or whatever it is always the first time again because it's just been manifest just that moment all over see but knowing about the end point finally creates in you grokking feeling about that endpoint creates in you the thirst for tapasya for austerities for burning by fire how do you like that? You, it's like the, you're looking to become a moth to walk into the flame. You're looking for methods to burn out your impurities. You're looking for techniques to get done. Now, that isn't, you're not a, a masochist. It's not at that level at all. It's just that once the seed has been planted, you can do nothing else but your sadhana, your spiritual work. Your, you, can do, you can't get off the path once you're on the path. And once you're on the path, everything you do becomes part of your sadhana. Every single thing, as we said last week with Meister Eckhart. Everything becomes part of your path. And you look around for systems And some of you reach out to systems such as those enunciated by Georges Gurdjieff. Some through the church and through Christian mysticism. Some through Hatha Yoga and Eastern yoga disciplines. And anybody that spends any time putting down anybody else's method is obviously caught in deep illusion. It's very poignant. Because it all is the spirit and it all works if you bring to it a pure enough heart. It may well be bhakti is the way in the Kali Yuga, but all the other ways are the same thing when you are pure. And there are currently examples of people moving up and up and up through layer after layer of consciousness using a variety of different yogas or methods of becoming one or union yoga union the method that that um, i have been working with is called raja yoga or ashtanga yoga I did not go seeking Raja Yoga. Raja Yoga was laid on me. I didn't ever seek anything. It all just happened to me. It was as if when I was a psychologist, I saw with the eyes of a psychologist and then the mushroom was laid upon me and then I saw with the eyes of a visionary and then my lack of discipline made me something happen and then a system is laid upon me, which now I see with the eyes of a yogi. Every, every step, as you get into each new place in your consciousness, you look back on your whole life history and you see that it all had perfect meaning from this place too. And that a lot of things that seemed background become figures suddenly. See you went all through school. And you did, And if you wrote your biography in one year, you would write, and then I did this, and then I wrote this paper, and then this was published, and I became this. Then another year, you would suddenly be writing about, and I met this interesting kid who sat behind me, who nobody noticed, who, you know, and one day this happened. You begin to see that your gurus, as opposed to satguru, a satguru is the pure life, An Upaguru is anybody or anything along the way that takes you one step further, the next message. Birds, dogs, children, accidents, boredom, people you meet all the time, your enemies, they are all your Upagurus because anything that you are perceiving in, in, in this plane is the result of an attachment on your part. You've got to remember the basic rule I gave you last time. Desire creates the universe. Your desires create your universe so that everything you see or know as called your universe is merely a reflection of your uncooked seeds of desire. Because who you are is it all. You wouldn't be seeing anything if you were who you are. You're only seeing something because you forgot you're it already. Like looking at your own eyes, looking at your own eyes, looking at your own
1: eyes. This podcast is brought to you by the Love, Serve, Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.